Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, customer experience, fans and professionals, welcome to Experience Points presented by Aptex. I'm Dan Gingis and we are so excited for you to join us. At Experience Points, you'll watch as our featured contestants answer questions about customer and employee experience and share their insights on how to make your interactions remarkable. We play a series of three games and each time a contestant answers a question correctly, they win points. These points then turn into dollars for the charity of their choosing thanks to a generous donation from our friends at Avtex who transform customer experience through CX design and orchestration. I'm Joey Coleman and I'd love to introduce you to today's contestant, the incomparable, the fabulous, the incredible, Jesse Cole. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Cole is the founder of Fans First Entertainment. He's the owner of the Savannah Bananas baseball team. He's also the author of Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out, and he and his teams have welcomed over 1 million visitors to their ball games over the years. Jesse, welcome to Experience Points. I am fired up, Joey. And Dan, this is a big moment for me, being a part of a game show, something I've hoping for since I was in middle school. So thank you for this opportunity. I have to point out just the coincidence that you happen to be wearing the same outfit as in your picture. Did you plan that, Jesse? I planned it, especially game show day, 100%. I love it. Well, we are thrilled to be able to make your middle school dreams come true, Jesse. So excited to have you here with us today. All right. So, Jesse, you have chosen a special charity that you are going to be playing for today. Can you tell us what that charity is and why did you decide to play for them? Savannah, Chatham County, Casa, it is something that's near and dear to me and Emily's heart and, you know, the whole world of foster children. And I started working with this group when I first came to Savannah and I actually emceed and hosted some events for them and excited to do something for them hopefully today and win a few points and a few dollars. I love it. I love it. Let's play Fake or Fact. In Fake or Fact, examine three similar experiences. Some are real, some are not. Your task is to determine the fake from the fact. Each experience correctly detected is worth 100 points. Three correct answers will earn you 200 bonus points for a possible score of 500 points. All right, Jesse, let's get into the game. So today we're going to be talking about something that I think you might have come across in your time leading the wonderful Savannah Bananas, and that is the Hutzler 571 Banana Slicer. Yes, indeed, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the banana slicer that allows you in one fell swoop to cut your bananas into all the necessary pieces. Now, to be honest, Jesse, this is a real product. You can find it on Amazon, and shockingly enough, it has almost 6,000 reviews. What we're going to do today is show you three potential reviews. Now, these may be fake or they may be fact. You're going to get a chance to see each <laughs> review. And then we're going to ask you whether you think the reviews are fake or fact. The first review comes from Emily S. It is a five-star review that reads, We were so excited to get our Hutzler 571 until we realized that our bananas curved the wrong way. Gonna have to go to the store for new bananas. That's review number one. Review number two is a one-star review that reads from Jen, two thick slices, could have done it with a knife. And last but not least, our final five-star review from Xenia, which reads, if you are ever worried about having to go back to the tedious chore of slicing bananas with a knife, 
fear no more. The Hutzler 571 Banana Slicer will never fail you, even in a power outage. Although it tends to sit idle more often than not, it gives the ambiance of my junk drawer a certain je ne sais quoi that's essential for a junk drawer that will impress everyone. Now, Jesse, those are the three potential reviews. Now it's time for you to decide which ones are fake or fact. The first one, the five-star review that mentioned, oh no, we need to go out and get some different bananas because ours are curved the wrong the way. Jesse, do you think that's fake or fact? Crazily, I'm going to go with fact. Excellent fact. Tell us a little bit about your reasoning, if you would, Jesse. Because <laughs> it's so ridiculous that I think someone with how many reviews? 6,000 reviews? 6,000 um, reviews. Someone probably would say that. So I'm going to go with a fact. This guy does know his bananas, Joey. He does know his bananas, ladies and gentlemen. We definitely are doing our best to pick questions for the contestant here at Experience Points. All right, Jesse, you said fact, and indeed, you are correct. This is a true review that actually included photos as well of the family that bought the Hutzler 571 holding their banana facing the wrong way <laughs> next to the banana slicer. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love it. All right. Let's go to our second review. This was the one star review that basically had the punchline. I could have done it with a knife. I'd like to retire after my first one. You know, one for one. I think that is it. You know, true story, Jesse, I once coached a kid's basketball team and I won the game and then I retired. And so I have a perfect 1,000 average. Finish on top, finish yeah. on top. <laughs> so on that note, see you guys. This was a great... Faker <laughs> fact. Uh, let's go with fact. All right, Jesse's going to go with fact on this one as well. Jesse, why are you thinking this one's a fact? What are you thinking? Uh, zero reasoning. Zero reasoning. Okay, great. You're just, <laughs> you're trusting your gut. You're going with fact. All right, Jesse. I've got some news for you. You got another one right! This is also a factual review of the Hutzler 571. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the one-star reviews actually help you because they lend a little bit of credibility to the nature of your product. And I think anybody who reads this review and says, could have done it with a knife. Well, no kidding. Everyone cuts their banana with a knife. That's why you buy the Hutzler 571 banana slicer. All right, Jesse, we're two for two. We're going into the home stretch here. You're round in third, our third and final review. This is another five-star review that refers to the je ne sais quoi of the junk drawer. Jesse, do you think this one is fake or fact? And why do you think that? So here's my thought process. I'm not really studying the reviews. I'm studying you guys. Half of me thinks you would go all three facts and find all those. And then the other me, like, that's a little too much. But then would you put the time and effort to write that fake review? So these are the things that are going on in my head right now. You're really playing the host as opposed to playing the game. 90% of me thinks that like you found that, but then the 10% of me is pushing me the other direction. You Ooh. would say all three facts. Uh, I'm going to say false and I'll be wrong, but I'm going to say false and I'll be wrong, but I'm hoping false could be right. So to make sure we understand your final answer, <laughs> you think that this review, even though 90% you felt that it was fact, you're going to trust your 10% instinct and go with this final review as being fake? Uh, for some reason, I feel like Joey would write Genesis Qua. I feel like he would write that. So I'm going to go fake, even though you guys probably got me. Yeah. So here's the thing, Jesse. 
You gotta trust your gut, brother. 90%. This one is actually a true story. Yet another factual review. All right. Two out of three. I love it. Well, let's talk a little bit about reviews, Jesse. I mean, you're a guy who works in the entertainment space. I know reviews of the Savannah Banana baseball games are really important to increase ticket sales and people talking about it. Tell us a little bit about your philosophy on the importance of reviews and getting reviews. Yeah, I think you want to create a product that's remarkable that people want to talk about it. And uh, as soon as you talked about that negative review, I thought about this one woman who wrote a four-page negative review blog about her experience with the bananas. And we have quoted that blog more times. We shared it on our podcast because everything that she was saying is too much like a circus. It's too loud. It's too crazy. There's always things going on. It's not like a typical baseball game. It was actually reaffirming who we are trying to be and who we are not for. So sometimes in reviews, you can look, the negative reviews that we get are often because we're so different than a typical baseball game. And that's okay. We actually shared the uh, negative reviews of the week on our podcast previously (laughs) as a joke. Reviews are important, but you also got to remember it's such a small percentage of people. And often sometimes the negative reviews, I think they're a great opportunity, as you mentioned, to turn a negative into a positive. So we respond to every review. As an owner, we respond to them and look at those opportunities. But I think it's important to pay attention to, but not put too much weight into because it's such a small percentage of the people that actually have an experience with you. Jesse, I love it. You know, one of the interesting things about negative reviews, there's some fascinating research out there that shows, especially in this world where online reviews have become such a regular part of every consumer's day-to-day life, that if you have a product on Amazon, for example, that you're selling, and it is only five-star reviews, Mm -hmm. and you put that same product on Amazon, and you have five stars, but you have a bunch of one star and two star, the ones with the one star and two star review, that listing will actually sell better. And the reason it sells better is we have grown up in a skeptical era. We understand that five star positive reviews across the board are fictitious. That's not real. It's never going to happen that way. So lots of times business owners, they worry when they get the negative review. I love that you take it to the extreme and you actually use the negative review in your marketing materials. That's brilliant. And that's definitely the elite level play when it comes to review. But I think when we look at our reviews, we shouldn't beat ourselves up that we get a negative review. Now, that being said, if the review points out something that is a legitimate negative critique, I personally look at that as gold from your clients, right? They've told you something that maybe you didn't know, or maybe they've told you something that you knew, but that senior management wasn't buying into. Mm -hmm. And now you have a proof point. So I'm a big fan of getting reviews, whether they're positive or negative. Yeah. And if I can quickly jump on that, a negative review recently, Joey, we had someone post a picture of one of our grilled chicken sandwiches and it looked like a burger. It looked like it was so overcooked and I was embarrassed. So I talked to our team, found out what happened, that there was a miscommunication there. But I end up sharing that picture on all my social media and said, I'm embarrassed, but here's the lesson that we learned from it. And I got more comments and support and and people were like, oh, wow. I think showing that, like you said, actually shows that you're a real person, human connection, real brand, that you're not just trying to hide everything. And I don't believe anyone should hide the negative comments, hide the negative reviews. That's who you are. And and that's where you can really rise up and show what you stand for. Yeah, that's right, Jesse. And I've always said that companies should not be afraid of complaints because the people who make legitimate complaints generally do so because they care. They actually want you to resolve their problem. The bigger danger is the people that are upset with you that don't tell you and just leave and go to your competitor, right? So somebody who takes the time to actually give you negative feedback 
generally, I mean, there's some jerks out there, but generally they really just want you to know and they want you to fix it for them. And, and so as Joey said, feedback is a gift, even the negative feedback. Yes. And if you're a remarkable brand, then you'll have your own customers and fans defending you even after a negative review. I always tell our staff, when someone says negative, wait, wait at least 30 minutes, an hour, see if people jump in first and then come into the conversation to see if people defend us. And that's, that's been really powerful. Jesse, that is such a pro tip as well. You know, we're going to get negative reviews, but if we've done a good enough job of building our positive fan base, which is, I know something that you do all day, every day, your fans will jump to your defense. You know, the last thing I'll say when it comes to reviews is, If you don't have a system and a process in your business designed to generate reviews, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. You know, it used to be when online reviews first started that it was enough to sit back and just hope they would flow in. The smartest companies today actually have a strategy for seeking out reviews and they make it part of their operational process. They know when to ask for a review. They know how to ask for a review and they actually have somebody in the organization who's responsible for that follow-up to make sure the reviews are coming in. Not only from a general, here's a public review, but even just getting feedback from customers, the positive and negative, whether that's an internal survey or some type of one-on-one conversation with the customer, we want to be listening to the voice of the customer as much as possible. And reviews are about one way to do that. What's the best way to ask for a review that you guys have seen? The pro tip is find the spot in your customer journey where you know you're making your customers the happiest. And I'll give you an example. When I worked at Discover Card, we learned that customers were happiest with us the moment they redeemed their rewards because it was like they got free money in their pocket. So they loved to discover at that moment. We put in onto the website in the middle of the journey an opportunity to leave us a rating or a review on creditcards.com or whatever it is at that moment. And sure enough, a lot of people took advantage of it because they were happy with us at that point. So obviously with the bananas, you make people happy all the time. But even with you, find a spot in your journey where you know that 99 out of 100 times or even more, people are really excited and happy. And that's the moment to ask them. I think timing is definitely key, Dan. The other piece I would add to that is going back to that system and structure of someone having responsibility for it. So think about one of your baseball games, Jesse. Obviously, I've had the pleasure of attending. They're a spectacle. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And when the game ends, people are in a heightened emotional state. Whenever your customer is in a heightened emotional state, We want to have someone in front of them right then and there to capture what's going on. Mm -hmm. So in a baseball scenario, you might put team members or staff members with cameras out, you know, and they can even just use their cell phone walking up to people and saying, hey, do you mind if we shot a quick one minute thing about what you thought about the game? Even if you never use that in your external marketing, it produces good feedback for your team. And when you're able to get them in state, it dramatically increases the likelihood of a positive review. We could talk about reviews all day long, but Dan, let's recap how Jesse did playing fake or fact. All right, Jesse. Well, you did a very good job playing fake or fact. As you know, correct answers get you 100 points. You got two correct answers. So we did say there'd be no math on this show, so I'll do the math for you. That means that you earned 200 points. And the good news is those points convert directly into dollars for the Savannah Chatham Casa organization. So you have earned $200 for your charity. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Should have been three out of three, but we'll do it. Close enough. You know, hey, everybody has a strike every once in a while. That's the way it works, friends. Let's play What Happened. In What Happened, watch to the first half of an experience story. Choose what you think happens next 
from four possible endings. Answer correctly for 500 points. If incorrect, you'll be granted an extra life and the opportunity to answer from the remaining three endings for 250 points. All right, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, social media speaker and author, Chris Strub, also a big baseball fan. And Chris is going to share a story about an experience that he had with a certain retailer. Hey, this is Chris Strub, the Giving Day Guy, and I'm going to tell you a quick story about the clearance rack. So we've all been there, department store at a mall. I was poking around about two and a half years ago in advance of a conference that I was speaking at. I found these pairs of loafer socks. You can see how much I love them, the one's still in the package here. And as I was going to the checkout counter, an employee asked, hello, sir, did you find everything that you're looking for today? You know, we've got this clearance rack over here and everything on the rack is actually marked down an additional 50% off the lowest marked rate. And I said, oh, all right, well, let me go check that out real quick. Took a quick look. I saw a pair of pants on this rack. And of course, again, this was the clearance rack. The pair of pants was way too big for me. A pair of pants was a size 44. I know you can't see all of me, but I am not a size 44. So I went back over to the register, bought my socks. The manager said, you know, did you find everything? And I said, you know, I wish you had a few more pairs of pants on the clearance rack. But other than that, everything's great. All right, Jesse, we're going to give you four choices of what happened next. And you have to choose the ending to the story. The first choice is A, the manager calls multiple stores, finds the pants in the correct size, and ships them directly to Chris's home. B, the manager calls multiple stores, cannot find the pants in the correct size, but Chris appreciates the effort. C, the manager apologizes and says that clearance items are only what's available on the rack. Or D, the manager tries to sell Chris on a different pair of pants that are 10 times more expensive. Which do you think is the end of the story? What happened? And then tell us why you think it happened. When I reason, that could be trouble, but I'm hoping it's not C or D. I would say C is probably the common that 90% of managers may do. I'm thinking this is going to be a remarkable story if he's sharing it. So I'm going to go with A. A is my answer. That's the all way. B, I don't think he would share that. So I think A is taking it to the next level. I'm hoping that's the answer. I love it, Jesse. So again, just to be clear, you're picking A. The manager called multiple stores, found the pants in the correct size, and shipped them to Chris's home. Because if it's risen to the level of Chris wanting to tell a story about it, you think it's probably a remarkable experience. I hope so. Let's go to the tape. You would think that the manager would just say, oh, you know, it's a clearance rack we got. But first, he took a minute to scroll on his phone. He went and looked in the back. He was looking at the inventory in the store and couldn't find any other pairs of pants. And I said, all right, that's fine. It's a clearance rack. But wait, Joel actually called all the surrounding stores in the area. And not just in the area, but actually all around the region. He ended up uh, actually calling a store in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, spoke to the manager over there, found the same pair of pants that were on this clearance rack at that store in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, in my exact size, took down my address, charged me that $18 for the $100 pair of pants, had them shipped to my house in 48 hours before I actually went to the conference. I've got that pair of pants right here. Joel from Banana Republic, one of the best customer service experiences I've ever had from the clearance rack, where you would never expect such a positive resolution 
But Joel from Banana Republic, appreciate you, man. Well played, guys. Well played. Right? <laughs> well, of course, the retailer was Banana Republic, right, Jesse? <laughs> Absolutely well, amazing, of course. Congratulations. You did identify the correct answer. And I think you were absolutely right in pointing out that the experiences that people share are usually on one end of the spectrum. They're either really remarkable for a good reason or really remarkable for a bad reason. And I think you did a great job sussing that out and seeing that only one of those four was really worth talking about because the experiences that people don't talk about are the average ones right? Nobody's ever said, I want to tell you about the perfectly average restaurant I went to last night. It's got to be something that stands out. So great job with that. And the other thing I thought that really stood out to me on this story was that that manager was obviously empowered to take action. He had a process and technology in place to be able to call the other stores, get it ordered, get it shipped, and he was empowered to do it. And if we don't empower our employees to make those kinds of decisions and take those sort of actions, it's really hard for them to provide a remarkable experience. I would imagine you do a great job empowering your employees. <laughs> Something always working on, but yeah, I, I love that. I think it would take it another step if it was actually a frontline employee instead of a manager. Could just a person right at the register make that decision? And we've worked hard at that. And you know, a few examples, I mean, just during quarantine, shelter in place, one of our fans wrote on Facebook, what I would do for Oreo cookies and milk right now. And one of our first year team members literally drove to the grocery store, got Oreo cookies, milk, put it in their mailbox because they knew a fan and then sent a text to say, check your mailbox. And I was like, all right, simple thing, not a big expense, but that was a first year employee for us. And that is when I feel like, all right, we're finally getting that point where you don't have to ask permission to do something. I think obviously Banana Republic, pretty impressive right there. You know, Jesse, I think it's a common challenge in most businesses for the senior managers or the owners to get employees who care as much about the customers as they do. You know, this is a common refrain we hear. Could you speak a little bit to some of the things you've done to empower your employees or to encourage your employees to deliver remarkable experiences or even give them a context for what a remarkable experience is and how that's played into kind of your employee empowerment efforts? For us, it's just intentional. We talk about fans first moments over and over and over again. The name of our company, Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is fans first, entertain always. Every decision we make, we ask, is it fans first? We repeat that over and over again. And so every night after games, we say, all right, guys, what are the fans first moments? And if it's a point where you're not raising your hand once in a while, it's almost uncomfortable. You got to figure out what are you doing to create those moments? And so when we have something special, like someone the other night called about a proposal, you know, people know, all right, what are we going to do to make this extra special? And they went and got the gift card. They had someone learn how to play their favorite song on a ukulele and play, right? And they came off the field. It turns into a huge moment because everyone wants to be a part of that. And as Joey, you've said so many times, you don't have to do it for everybody. But when you get an opportunity that's special, go the distance. And I think not many people go the distance. And I think that's when you create a remarkable story like the Nordstrom's and the Ritz-Carlton stories that get told over and over and over again. That was just one story, but it made a much bigger impact. At the risk of getting too technical, but I think this is something that many of our viewers and listeners probably struggle with. How do you think about budgets as it relates to employees? Like that employee that took the Oreo cookies in the milk, are they paying for it out of pocket? Are they able to expense that? How do you kind of create this freedom to do the right thing, but also recognize that as a business, you got to pay attention to where you're making your investments and where you're spending your dollars? 
It's a good question. I mean, we do have servicing budgets and stuff for every ticket person. You know, they have a couple thousand dollars they can use in any way to take care of people. But overall, it's really just never even a fourth. It's never even a thought. Like to buy a hundred dollar gift card and do this, it's just not even a thought. And we will never question it. And if you never question it, then people stop worrying, is this the wrong decision to make? Because we will celebrate it over and over again on the way we made them feel, not how much it cost, on how we made the people feel. And I think that's what's celebrated. So money hasn't become an issue. It's like PTO. We have unlimited vacation time. People don't take tons of vacation time. You know, it's not like we're spending thousands and thousands of dollars. It's those unique instances. And it really doesn't add up as much as people would think it does. And I think what's awesome about that is that you create this loyalty and this lifetime value that is worth so much more than that $100 gift card. And I think a lot of times what companies, the mistake they make is they think about an individual transaction and the profit of that individual transaction. Oh, well, they only paid $20 for a ticket and $5 for a hot dog, so we can't give them a $100 gift card because we'll lose money. But you know that that person has a family of four and that they're going to come back 10 more times this season and they're going to come back next season and the season after that. And so the $100 gift card spread over all that time is really not much of an expense at all. hundred. The people that proposed just last game, it was their first ever bananas game. They just heard they had to come to the game. He wanted to propose at this game because he heard it was so special. You better believe it's a proposal. They're going to tell everyone about that. But what if you just kept going with it? It becomes something that's shared constantly. And that's not the reason you do it, but you know it's the right thing to do. Well, and I think for anybody listening who might be saying, well, Jesse, sure, you have a baseball team. Like, what am I supposed to do in a B2B scenario? Or what am I supposed to do if I have a less than sexy product? I think the reality is, and I don't mean this as a criticism, I'm a big fan of you and the bananas. But when you started, you didn't have a fan base. I mean, I remember you telling me the stories of like, no season tickets sold, empty stands, you take over in this kind of town that had decided that baseball didn't matter anymore. And now you've had how many seasons have sold out? I mean, to (laughs) me, it's because you're making that investment in remarkable customer experiences. Yes. Yeah. And we went from now we don't spend, we spend zero dollars in marketing. And as you guys know, when you invest in the experience and the entertainment and the fact that we pay a six-year-old to be our professional high fiver, and this year because of COVID, the air high fiver, he actually did a video about that. But we invest in that because that is what people will talk about. They have a six-year-old high five. You invest in the way you make people feel and the fun and the different. And that for us has made the difference and better than those two season tickets we sold our first year. I'll tell you that. And for those B2B companies out there, remember that your customers are human, which means they have families, they have pets, they have hobbies, they do things outside of doing business with you. So there's always an opportunity to recognize them, to celebrate with them or to do something special for them. All right, Joey, let's recap. How did Jesse do playing What Happened? Well, Dan, in this game, correct answers are worth 500 points, and Jesse answered correctly, which means he earned 500 points. Now, these points convert into dollars, which means that Jesse earned a $500 donation to Savannah Chatham Casa. Congratulations, Jesse. Feeling strong, guys. Feeling really good right now. Woo! You did an awesome job. Let's play Think Fast. In Think Fast, you will have one minute to answer five experience questions. For each question, you must quickly choose between two possible answers. Correct answers given before time runs out are worth 100 points. Five correct answers will earn you 500 bonus points for a possible score of 1,000 points. All right, this is going to be a good one. There's a lot of money at stake, but I believe Jesse's got the ability to deliver us. We're going to be talking today about a report and a study put together by the folks at Ipsos Medallia, 
called the customer experience tipping point. All kinds of things to consider about customer experience behavior in the United States, the UK, Germany, and France. So it's a global study and survey. Jesse, you feeling ready to go? Let's do this. All right, Dan, give me 60 seconds on the clock. 60 seconds, also known as one minute. On your marks, get set, go. When making a purchase decision, the number one thing consumers rely on is personal experience. What is number two? Opinions of friends and family or the company's advertising? Opinions of friends and family. Which generation is most likely to avoid a brand because of a bad experience? Baby boomers or millennials? Millennials. What percentage of consumers have boycotted a brand because of its values or stances on social issues? 20% or 36%? Going to go high, 36%. What is a consumer's most likely response to a negative incident with a brand? Tell their friends and family or call customer service? Tell friends and family. And last but not least, what percentage of consumers have avoided a brand because of a bad experience they had? 64% or 47%? 64%. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls with three seconds to spare, Jesse Cole got through all five Think Fast questions. Nice job. What'd you think of that, Jesse? Uh, I was very intimidated by the speed, but Joey kept it moving well. Now comes the fun part. Let's see how you did, Jesse. So the first question we ask you, Jesse, when making a purchase decision, the number one thing consumers rely on is personal experience. What is number two? Is it opinions of friends and family or the company's advertising? You said opinions of friends and family, and you were correct. Congratulations. It is indeed the opinions of friends and family. The next question. Which generation is most likely to avoid a brand because of a bad experience? The options were baby boomers and millennials. Jesse, you said millennials, which was correct. Indeed, the millennials. Two for two, feeling good. The next question, what percentage of consumers have boycotted a brand because of its values or stances on social issues? 20% or 36%? You said, I'm going to go high. And Jesse, it's a good thing that you did. (laughs) Correct, 36%. We then asked, what is a consumer's most likely response to a negative incident with a brand? Tell their friends and family or call customer service. Folks, they're not going to call customer service because they're busy telling their friends and family. Four for four. Oh, my goodness. We're feeling it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Cole is four for four on Think Fast. We have one more question to go. And if he gets this question right, he doubles the total number of points won. We ask the question, what percentage of consumers have avoided a brand because of a bad experience they had? You said 64%. My friend, 64% is indeed the answer. Congratulations. Oh my goodness. Look at that, ladies and gentlemen. Five for five. Jesse, when we think about all these things about customer experience and how people talk about the experiences and how it affects their purchase decisions, what's the takeaway from all of these questions? What are you kind of feeling in terms of the overall importance of customer experience as it relates to people's purchase behaviors, their loyalty, all of the above? 
a company may not even know how bad something they're doing is hurting them. And so, because they're just telling their friends and family, they're not calling customer service, they may not make a review. And no matter what you say in your advertising or marketing, you might be getting hurt every single day, or you could actually be in, becoming more remarkable by everyone else telling. So huge opportunity that I think people don't even realize sometimes that people are talking about you when you don't even know it. Yeah. And I think what's really important there is when people tell their friends and family about an experience that's either positive or negative, that is so much more believable than a brand talking about itself in an advertisement. And we know that customers believe brands pretty much at the bottom. They don't even believe CEOs of brands. Sorry, Joey. But they believe employees a little bit more. And the people they believe the most not surprisingly, are their friends and family. And so when you ask a friend or family member, hey, what was it like to go to that restaurant or go to that baseball game or order that product? And they say it was great. That makes you feel good about your purchase decision and causes you to choose that brand. But the opposite is also true as well. Jesse, you know, you had such a mic drop moment there when you said a company may be doing something wrong and not even know it. I think that's such an often overlooked aspect of customer experience. We talked about it when you were playing the game fake or fact, when we talked about reviews and this idea that positive reviews versus negative reviews and the importance in many ways of making sure you see and respond to both. What are some things that companies can do to have a greater level of awareness of the true impact that customer experience is having on their business? So we go undercover. So one thing that we do is we do undercover fan. And everyone on our staff actually goes in and experiences the game as a fan. And so we park with the fans. We line up with the fans. We sit with the fans. We eat with the fans. And at the end of each night, we give a full recap to the team. We take notes. And we've got over the last three years, probably 100 pages of notes. You don't know the experience until you really put yourself in the shoes. And every time I've gone, I've realized like, wow, that parking experience, I hit a pothole my first time. I didn't know there were potholes way out in the parking. I didn't know that. But that's a bad first impression. And so you don't realize until you actually get there. Do you call your voicemail? Is your voicemail like everyone else? Say, please listen close as our menu options have changed. Menu options are changing across the country every single day. All right. But that is not what people want to hear. Put yourself in the customer's shoes. And that's been something that's been so valuable for us. And I'll tell you the next level, Joey, which I'm Dan, which I'm doing this week is frontline teammate. I'm actually working in the concession stand. I'm grilling. I'm wrapping burgers. I'm going to be dressed like everyone else, not in the tux. And to see how is the experience for your people, you have to put yourself in the shoes. And that's so valuable for us. There's not only the customer experience, but there's an employee experience and it empowers your employees so much and it makes them feel like they actually matter when they see the owner of the team right next to them flipping burgers. Not only does it give you insight, I imagine, to the customer experience, but I'm guessing you're going to walk away with almost as many notes about the employee experience. I think at the end of the day, all too often, leaders and senior managers, the further they get away from the front line, the more disconnected they become from the customer experience and the employee experience at the front line. What are some things that you've done with your management team, Jesse, to kind of keep them with a finger on the pulse? I know you mentioned, you know, kind of this idea of you'd have, you know, mystery folks going out and watching the games, but speak if you could to a little bit the managing a CX team or a team that's committed to customer experience, how that becomes part of your culture. We have our team always ask, what can I do better? And we try to take away the egos. We try to empower people. So we take people out of their roles. And I know that undercover, but literally, you know, our president has been running our whole streaming system this summer. He's getting out of that the last five games. And now he's literally just walking the park. You know, how often you hear that, you know, managed by walking around. 
How often are you walking around and actually seeing it? So we make sure everyone is walking around and actually touching little departments. A lot of times companies are so siloed. We touch everything. And I always go to the group, hey guys, what can we do better for the show? Because I'm involved in the entertainment, the promotions. So you have to be able to let go of your ego and ask people that maybe don't have the experience, but might ask a dumb question that's really a smart question. And so we try to get people to go into different departments constantly and give that honest feedback from a different perspective. I think that's so impressive that you do that as the owner, because as Joey said before, it is all too common that the higher up you go in the organization, the less you know about what's going on. Really quick story, true story. When I was in corporate America, I was assigned the task of shooting a video for an award ceremony that we were having. And we shot this video and it was meant to be an entertainment comical video. And it chronicled the story of a summer intern trying to get a project approved at the company. And he had to go to the brand team and he had to go to the legal team and he had to go to all these, jump through all these hoops and everywhere he went, he got stopped and walls were put in front of him. And the audience is cracking up at this because as Homer Simpson likes to say, it's funny because it's true. The one person that wasn't laughing was the CEO. And he turned to my boss and he said, is this really what happens? And the boss was like, I'm afraid so. And he literally didn't know. And yet everybody else in the audience could completely relate to how bad it was. And so getting out there and being not only a customer, but being an employee and feeling what they feel, I think is the single best way to identify opportunities to continue improving both experiences. And I think that brings us full circle, Dan, because you know Jesse started off talking about the answers that he came up with based on the fact that you might have something happen in your organization with one of your customers and you don't even know because they don't call customer service, they don't tell you, they just tell their friends and complain about it. You may be the CEO of a company and not know how bad the situation really is. But to take things into a more positive note, Dan, let's recap our score of how Jesse did playing Think Fast. Well, Jesse, you played Think Fast to perfection. As you know, all five questions are worth 100 points, but because you got all of them correct, we double it for a total of 1,000 points or $1,000 donated to Savannah Chatham Casa from our friends at Avtex. Congratulations. Thank you guys, that's awesome. Jesse, you're batting a thousand, I absolutely love it. Thanks again for being a contestant on Experience Points. This concludes this episode, but you can check out more games with Jesse and our other celebrity guests at experiencepointsgame.com. That's experiencepointsgame.com. We'll see you soon for more examples of remarkable customer experience here at Experience Points, presented by Avtex.